Welcome to the one and only Circle City Setup with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Hello. Welcome back to Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith. And tonight, we're going back to the basics here. Anniversary pod. The Big Lebowski, 25 years old and recommended by my producer, the founder of the Running Hook Podcast Network, Alex Burr, who joins me tonight to talk about one of the signature stoner movies. Uh, a lot of signature roles in this movie with, with Jeff Bridges, Jeff Good, uh, John Goodman, and one of the Cohen brothers, best outing. We both agree. Alex, uh, thank you for coming on to talk about this glorious film. Of course. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I'm surprised. I feel like this is a movie that gets mentioned a lot. And, you know, like I feel like I always bring it up in, you know, what I've seen lately, you know, this is just a a cult classic that should probably be considered more than a cult classic. It, for my money, it's probably I think it's one of the best movies ever made. I think, you know, there's some maybe some flaws with it, you know, mainly what the fuck is the story about? <laughs> but there's it's so funny. It's it's Zach. Is it one of the three best comedies ever made? Let's just let's just start there. Um, it's one of my three favorite. I'll I'll leave it at that. But it's it's a top three movie that you can turn on and just have it playing in the background, and and nobody's gonna complain because you have you have a great mix of comedy. You have a great mix. Uh, I mean, there are some dramatic moments in here. Uh, you have a it's a phenomenally acted movie, movie phenomenally written movie. Um, it's, and it's just, like you said, it's, it's so, it's one of the funniest movies I have seen. And that's what makes the writing so good. Um, and the Coens, you know, they've done this throughout their career, Alex, where they just flex their range on you every now and then, which, you know, if you ever hear them talk about this movie, they're just like, yeah, we made that because we were bored. We just had, we just had some time time to kill in between movies and we just pumped this one out and we were kind of surprised it took off and it, it took off like crazy. It was a sleeper hit at the box office made about, uh, I think a little over 40 million. Uh, yep. About 47 million on a 15 million budget. So it made, made money. Um, and like you said, a cult classic that just, uh, I think it's timeless, which is saying something because you know, it's it comes out in 1998, set in 1991. The movie set in 1991. Um, I I think it's a timeless movie. It really is. And you talked about the Cohen brothers, <laughs> um, just kind of making it just to make it. This three movie stretch with Fargo, <laughs> Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. And I mean, going from Fargo to the Big Lebowski is just. I mean, I understand, you know, Fargo, you can kind of do whatever you want. So then you make the Big Lebowski after it. But. 
I don't think this movie is just like, oh, haha, you know, we kind of screwed around. I think there was real like work and effort. You know, like I think they could say that for sure. But you could tell in the way they made this movie. I watched some stuff from, uh, was it Roger Deakins, right? That's right. Um, before the movie. Yes. Renowned cinematographer. Um, who's worked with the Coens on a lot of stuff. Arguably the best to ever do it. Yes. Yes. And he's talking about like how much attention to detail in every scene for this movie, you know, and it's just why they're, you know, one of the best. You can't argue with their resume at this point. It's <laughs> absolute banger after banger at this point. They, it is banger after banger. I mean, this, their range, you look at this, it's basically a straight up comedy. Uh, and then you look at something like No Country for Old Men, which comes about 10 years later. And that's just basically a straight up Western, you know, mono mono movie. Uh, Fargo, it's like half comedy, half crime, I would say. And then Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, same thing, like half comedy, half crime. Uh, it's actually kind of based on the Odyssey, a Greek, a Greek story, ancient Greek story. Um, uh, and the one thing that I appreciate about all their movies is you kind of know they have a similar feel to them, just like this. I don't even, I don't even know what the word is. Like, it just, you know, you're watching a Cohen movie. You just feel, you just, I, I don't even know what word or adjective they use to describe. Just, it. there's like a certain aesthetic to when you're watching a movie, you're just like, yep, yeah, it's a little weird, but it's phenomenally acted, usually very well written. There's only a couple movies I would say script is lacking and carried by the acting but this one I mean I think it's Jeff Bridges signature role I think it's John Goodman's signature role I actually don't know how John Goodman wasn't nominated for an Oscar for his performance here either you got Julianne Moore flexing her range as well and you have Steve Buscemi just doing Steve Buscemi things the whole movie just Steve Buscemi who low-key might be the best actor (laughs) in this movie just in, in in general body of work, he might be the best actor in this movie. It's, I mean, I I I love this movie. Uh, it's proudly in my collection. Twenty five years old this year, and I'm I'm glad we're sitting here talking about it, Alex. And I know it's one of your favorite movies. I want to ask you, take us back if you can recall your first viewing of this movie. I think I was in middle school the first time I watched this. Um, and I think one of my parents showed it to me. I don't remember who, but I just was like, wow, this movie is so hilarious. You're not obviously when you're, you know, 12, the funnier jokes don't stick with you, right? Like I told you this one and we're not going to probably touch on this one, but from Moses to Sandy Koufax, 3000 years of fuck of tradition damn fucking right i'm living in the past <laughs> like those jokes fly over your head but you know nobody yeah. fucks with the jesus you know those those kind of jokes are funny no matter how old you are and so you know that was kind of like i was like just in awe right away i have to ask do you remember the first time you watched this movie 
I do. It was on the streaming service fmovies.com uh, <laughs> when I was in high school. Um, for some reason, that website didn't last very long. I'm not sure why, but I watched this on my iPad at Center Grove High School, uh, supplied by Center Grove High School. Uh, I watched it over Christmas break, I think, when I was a junior or sophomore in high school. And that was about the time I started becoming a real degenerate with this stuff. Because I'd always been a movie fan. And I was just... I just felt like you were supposed to know... You were supposed to have seen this movie. Like, I have just heard so much about it on on movie YouTube and, and, you know, reading a bunch of stuff, like just literally Googling best movies of all time and reading articles and this would come up. And I, you know, I think Christmas break, one of those years in high school, I was just like, I have to watch this, you know, and I, I queued it up on F movies, uh, probably got numerous malware, <laughs> uh, on my iPad, but I don't really care. Um, and it funny. It was funny as hell. And like you said, some of the jokes at the time probably went over my head, but um, you know, now in our twenties, Alex, I feel like this is the age we're supposed to supposed to watch it. Classic it's a great college. It's a great college. But college and beyond, I think, is what the audience that's the audience that was meant for it. Yes. And that's probably why it's a cult classic. You know, you're probably people are probably smoking a bowl in their dorm rooms, you know, watching this for the first yeah, time. And this is just on in the background, you know, exactly. It's just like it sticks. And I think it's funny when you're stone cold sober, you know, it's like the jokes are flying at a mile a minute. Honestly, the, like I wrote so many jokes down, Zach. Countless jokes <laughs> like when they're talking. When um, Mr. Lebowski's talking to the dude, he's like, I chill. I killed a Chinaman in Korea. <laughs> just like so many jokes just flying at you. At like a ridiculously fast pace. And I think another thing that sticks with you in this movie, too, that's kind of why it sticks so well is the repetition of it all. It's just like everything repeats itself, you know, especially the dude, right? Like the dude other like. This point has been made a lot, but I, I'd like to add my own twist to it. The dude's thoughts aren't original, except when he has to deal with Walter. Then, as you can see, he's so fucking fed up with Walter, but he still loves him. But other than that, the dude doesn't have an original thought in his own brain. He just is like repeating shit. You know, this aggression will not stand, man. He hears that on the TV earlier in the movie. You know, everything. Nothing is an original thought from the dude. Always no. just, you know, something he'd heard earlier. I mean, hell, the famous line at the end, the dude abides. Um, Mr. Lebowski says it in the limo <laughs> halfway through the movie. Nothing, absolutely nothing in the dude's brain is original. And I think the repetition in this movie, I think, kind of help, you know, hammers. Like, you either love that or you absolutely hate it. I don't think there's a real in-between for that. Yeah, you're right. And uh, I just want to make this make this comp here. Uh, if Caleb cursed more and was a war <laughs> veteran, he would be Walter. 
Yes. No, you're not wrong. That is a very <laughs> accurate comparison. <laughs> I'm just thinking yeah. about it in my head. He is definitely the kind of person, if he was a little, he'd also have to be about 10% more unstable. Yeah, I guess Caleb has these quirks about him and he likes to yell, especially when he gets passionate about things. And he's not afraid to tell you you're wrong. Do you think so, Caleb could find us a toe, though? Uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I can Probably find not. you. He'd find, a, he'd find a way to hate on Kyle Shanahan, though. That's for sure. That's for sure. He would. <laughs> but, Alex, this year in movies, 1998, uh, which I was one, I was one year old. Uh, I imagine you were around the same age. When the calendar turned to 1998, I was three days old. Um, to give you my exact age for you hackers out there. Um, but so I, you know, we're, we're about the same age here. We graduated the same year of high school, but still, you know, you go back and watch a good amount of these movies. Oh yeah. I was stunned at, you know, looking back at the 1998 movie roster about how many of these movies, much better movie year than, than I expected, you know, Marred by an Oscars travesty, a pretty, in my opinion, the worst Oscars travesty, um, at least in recent history, but, um, a loaded year, really kind of a, kind of a loaded year. Um, we got Armageddon, the highest grossing movie of the year, Saving Private Ryan, The Thin Red Line, two of the greatest war movies of all time, the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, uh, which I, admittedly I have not seen, um, but just going off the poster and the IMDb review, not great. There's something about Mary, uh, Cameron Diaz, hot. Mulan, the, the original Disney Mulan, not the live action bullshit. Uh, A Bug's Life, underrated Pixar film, I would say. You know, not really celebrated, but I thought pretty solid. Shakespeare in Love, which somehow won uh, Best Picture over Saving Private Ryan. See every cinema pod for my thoughts on that. Dr. Doolittle, one of the best, probably not one of the best Eddie Murphy performances, but this is when Eddie Murphy was just pumping out comedies, I would say. 90s, 90s, early 2000s. The Truman Show, some people say Jim Carrey's best performance. I'd probably agree. Blade, the first mainstream Marvel movie. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, again, another stoner movie you might want to watch. Following Christopher Nolan's directorial debut, which I actually watched about a month or so ago. Really good. Really good. Black and white movie. Really good. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Um, one of the great animated movies of all time, in my opinion. It's one of the probably like a top five Batman movie. Rounders, uh, I would argue the quintessential poker movie. I don't really think there's a poker movie that can rival it. Uh, and just when Matt Damon was on top of the world, couldn't do any wrong. American History X, 
Uh, not one of my favorite movies, but a movie I really respect. Uh, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Small Soldiers. Just a fun movie. Just a fun movie. Just like an hour and 20 minute movie. Um, really great. And then finally, this one's for Deke, Alex. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. <laughs> Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, which this is the movie that was snubbed for Best Picture over Shakespeare in Love. Not sure how that happened. Well, you know, it was bound to happen at any rate. So um, pretty good year for movies, I'd say. I haven't seen a lot of these, admittedly. There's a lot I need to see. You know, I'll, I'll admit, I probably need to see Saving Private Ryan still in Rounders. I tried to watch Rounders one time. I never got through it. Um, but, you know. Rounders it, it seems is, like a, it, it's a slow movie at first, but especially if you're not a poker player, and I'm not a poker player. I've only played it a couple times, and I'm still not totally sure how to play. But it gets really enthralling near the second act, and then the third act, you're just totally invested, but First act, really, really slow. But um, Alex, your 1998 Mount Rushmore. Let's go. What's your Washington? Okay, so obviously it's going to be Lebowski here. Was there any doubt? Yeah. And then second place will be Truman Show. Um, Once I realized Mulan came out this year, uh, Mulan... Very close competition for second place. Mulan, um, one of the I'd say probably one of the best Disney songs. I'd say probably the best Disney song. And I'll make a yeah. man out of you. Um, yeah. Also Eddie Murphy. I'll see. Yes, that is Eddie Murphy. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. And then number four, a movie you did not mention, um, but because I haven't seen a lot of those movies, one that I have seen. I'm going to go with Adam Sandler's The Water Boy. Now, a lot of people uh, don't like this movie. How did I miss that? A lot of people don't like that movie. A lot of people think that's when he started to fall off the cliff. But you know what? I like that movie. <laughs> it's so I'm putting that as my last spot on Mount Rushmore. Zach, what is your Mount Rushmore? That movie is good. I don't know. You can miss me with that. That movie's good. That movie's fun. But, Glad we're on the same page there. Yeah. Bobby Boucher jersey spotted at the Colts game uh, this past weekend uh, that we were at. Spotted it. Walking into the walking into the stadium. Sadly, not the most random jersey I saw that day. Um, my Washington is saving Private Ryan. And it's really not close. Uh, I go back and forth between this and Apocalypse Now for the greatest war movie ever made. Um, I have this movie on 4K. It's brilliant to watch on 4K. Um, Tom Hanks, one of the best Tom Hanks performances, arguably the best Spielberg movie, which is saying a lot, saying a lot. Um, and just a who's who of faces in this movie. I mean, you got you got Vin Diesel, you got Giovanni Ribisi, uh, Matt Damon, just bunch of famous people. Brian Cranston showing up in this movie for a little bit. Ted Danson, just random famous actors showing up in this movie. It's really quite pleasant. Um, but at the same time, obviously, very sad. 
Um, speaking of sad movies, American History X. This movie, Alex, um, very powerful movie uh, starring Edward Norton, who might have been snubbed for Best Actor this year. I'm not, not going to lie to you. He probably should have won it. Uh, but it's about a uh, a neo-Nazi who is sent to jail and when he is released, he's reformed and he's trying to stop his brother from going down the same path as him after you know, seeing the error of his ways while he was in jail, seeing how he fucked his life up and how wrong he was and just trying to guide his brother down the right path. And one of the toughest, one of the toughest endings of any movie I've ever seen. Um, but really, really, really great movie. Uh, and then I also have the Truman show. I do think it's Jim Carrey's best performance. Um, oddly relevant for today. Oddly relevant. Um, so when all the Edward Snowden stuff came out like ten years ago, this movie actually, actually, uh, was oddly relevant. And then uh, this one is just one for me. It's Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, which which came out on 4K today. Um, I'm gonna be behind that. So, honorable mention, very tough omissions, Blade and The Big Lebowski. I, I hated to leave them off. I hated to leave them off, but I, I had to, I had to try and get the best of both worlds with my, it's my Rushmore. I can understand it. You made very compelling arguments. However, seeing as this is The Big Lebowski podcast, I can't forgive you. The dude does not abide. It's fine. It's fine if he doesn't abide, but. Let's get into the dude's movie here. We got The Big Lebowski, 1998 crime comedy, uh, directed by Joel Cohen, written by Joel and Ethan Cohen, produced by Ethan Cohen, cinematography by, as Alex said, Roger Deakins, arguably the GOAT cinematographer, edited by Trisha Cook, music by Carter Burwell, a lot of Cohen familiars here. Um... Just under two hours, solid runtime, and like I said, fifteen million budget, almost forty-seven million at the box office. Um, starring Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Alex, the plot of this movie: Jeff Bridges stars as Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski. An L.A. slacker and avid bowler, he is assaulted as a result of mistaken identity, then learns that a millionaire, also named Jeffrey Lebowski, was the intended victim. And then we are off from there. So, Alex. Best scene here. Best scene. Why don't you take us through it here? We got quite a few to pick from. I know there is a good amount. You could really do. I don't think there is a, in my opinion, I don't think there really is a wasted scene in this whole movie. Maybe other than the one shot of the, um, land Lord at the play, but even then that provides key exposition. So, um, we'll start at the opening credits, (laughs) the opening credits where Sam Elliott gives his opening monologue. Um, just incredible stuff sets up the, the movie. 
then you have you know after that the dude gets attacked and the chinaman pees on his rug <laughs> i don't think i'll be able to get through all these without laughing so you might need to take over at some point but um then the dude after his rug gets peed on seeks retribution from the real lebowski and then we get we get introduced to brant from philip seymour hoffman who is one of the best straight men characters i i don't think they could have picked a better person to play a straight man i'll just say that i think they philip seymour hoffman in this movie amazing straight man is like Actually, i take back what i said about buscemi being the best actor in this movie it's it's philip seymour hoffman forgot about the way him. he the way he delivers his lines and the way the like seriousness with which he calls him dude this is very serious dude this is very urgent dude very disturbed dude very disturbed and then when after the um little bit of expository beginning there where we meet where um brant is explaining what the big lebowski is about or the mr lebowski is about i should say actual mr lebowski rolls in um explains that he thinks the dude is a bum (laughs) tells him to get the hell out of his house are you employed, sir? I don't know who that actor is who they got to play Mr. Lebowski. David Huddleston. He did a really good job of playing like an old shit. I'll say that. He did. Did I urinate on your rug, sir? Did I? And then in that sequence, we also get to meet um Bunny. And she says, I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. I'll and let Brant watch. Brant just nervously laughs. I'll let, <laughs> let Brant watch for a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> um, then after that, we hop over to the bowling alley. Walter brings his dog. Is this the first time we see Walter? No, I think we see him before. But I think we see we him have- before. I- we hop over to the lanes. Um, Walter brings his ex's dog with him. And then Walter pulls out his piece in the fateful scene. I think if you know anything from this movie. Is market zero. Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Yelling at Smokey. Then, you know, later we have the Jesus, which Zach, I think you should explain to Jesus. I think. This is best. The Jesus is John DeToro's character, Jesus Quintana. And he, as Walter describes him to us, the audience, he he's basically a pedophile, and what I took it as. And he has no respect among the fellow bowlers, especially the dude's team. Uh very good bowler from what it seemed like, but um John Turturro, you know, he just had Cohen Staples, so they had to fit him in here somehow. And he actually got his own... He got a uh, spinoff called The Jesus Rolls, which actually was released in 2020, but, uh, you know, wasn't very good from from what I read. But uh, that's The Jesus, just kind of a, a heat check, you know, to steal from... The Rewatchables podcast, just a heat check character, comes in for like five minutes, lights it up, and then goes back to the bench. If you 
if you've seen anything from this movie, you might know his line as nobody fucks with the Jesus. That's his famous line from the movie. I think, you know, there's a couple like real famous lines from the movie. I think that's probably in the top three. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. <laughs> um, then we go from that to the handoff. Um, well, we get a little bit of a ransom note first, but then there's a briefcase that Mr. Lebowski gives the dude. Then Walter, who's not supposed to be in the car with him, gets in the car, goes to the rendezvous point, and throws his undies <laughs> to the people holding Mrs. Lebowski hostage. Bunny throws his dirty underwear. And then what's the next scene is going to be isn't the next scene my goodness isn't there a mod scene in there somewhere? I feel like there's a mod scene. The vagina scene. I- I'm going to add the vagina scene. I feel like that's next. Sure. My art can be described as deeply vaginal. I, I feel like that's <laughs> a lot of men don't like saying the word vagina. <laughs> you might have that in comedy, but I feel like that's, you know, when she's flying up in the air, strapped into the thing, whipping her paint down at the uh, And my yeah, art has been, that, dis- yeah. My art has been de- described as, but then so after um he meets up with Maud, we get him. We get another meeting with Lebowski and Brandt, saying that they cut off one of Bunny's toes, and there's any damage they inflict on Bunny, they'll inflict on the dude tenfold. <laughs> and then we get. The nihilist. We're very concerned, dude. <laughs> we get the nihilist coming. You bum. Maybe Caleb's the big Lebowski. You bum. I think he might be. <laughs> he, he might be. <laughs> that would actually probably be a more apt description. We just have to knock out his legs. That would probably be. This guy fucking walks, dude. <laughs> I've never been more sure of anything. Never been more sure of anything (laughs) in my life. Then is this next scene the one with the marmot? (laughs) We'll cut off your Johnson Lebowski. The nihilist gives a shit about the fucking marmot. (laughs) The nihilist break into Lebowski's home after not getting the money, throw a marmot in his bathtub, and start making threats about cutting off his Johnson. And to bring back the repetition thing, when Maud's first introduced, she's like, women can't refer to their vagina, but men will refer to their dicks, their rods, their Johnsons. You know, just just thinking about it real quick. Another bit of funny repetition. Dude and Sam Elliott at the bar. Classic scene. Little Larry. I mean, Zach. This, This one might be the winner here. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie, the Jackie Treehorn meeting. Walter versus the Nihilist at the end of the movie. I can't believe you don't have the tossing of the ashes on here. And then the closing scene with Sam Elliott. There's so many great scenes to choose from. I I think it's got to be Little Larry where Walter's smashing his car. This is what happens, Larry. 
This is what happens when you, you fuck see what happens, Larry. When you fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> what are you doing? That's my car. <laughs> What's your winner for best scene? Um. Well, speaking of heat checks, Sam Elliott because he's only he only shows yes. up like twice. Um, I mean, it has to be Little Larry. The handoff is nice. Uh, the dream sequences are really, really funny. Uh, we'll get to one of those in the funniest scene, but I'll probably go with Little Larry just because that's just John Goodman turning it up to a hundred. And you know, Alex, I said this was his signature role. And I don't know why I just thought of this, but is it this or is it Sully from Monsters, Inc.? I think depends on your age. Because they're only three years apart from each other. Those movies. But you know what? You know what? I think it's this because of the memes. I think there's Could be. a ton of a Walter memes, you know? I like, would mean this. Because Walter is just in a ton of memes, you know, and it's like We've seen what memes can do for movies and TV. Like we've seen what memes have done for Breaking Bad, for instance. And oh yeah, gave it a second life. Exactly. Um, I think, I think it's this. But Monsters Inc. is a really good one too because he's so good as Sully. But man, <laughs> I just don't know how you could go wrong with. You need to tell. I can get you a fucking toe. <laughs> He's so unhinged. Who watches their ex-wife's dog, man? Go to her fucking synagogue. <laughs> I'm I'm going little Larry just because they go there to prove a point. It clearly doesn't work, and then it just goes farther and farther south from there where they end up trashing the wrong guy's car. Larry just standing in the window while they're trashing the car, knowing damn well it's not his car. <laughs> and I don't know. The, actor they the, hired, guy in, the guy in the iron lung, that's just funny too. <laughs> the actor they hired to play Larry just has the perfect like death, like blank stare on his face. Like <laughs> It's like Robert Sala last night. Oh, and another thing. You talked about Steve Buscemi's acting. His background acting in this movie is hysterical. Like, just watching... You have to watch him in the background. Because I know, like, the main dialogue he has is just to be Shut cold. the fuck up, Donnie. Exactly. But him in the background... Like, during the... um, When Walter pulls out the piece, he looks absolutely terrified. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is shaking in his boots. And... That's okay. Walter with little Larry is one. Walter pulling out the piece of the bowling alley is number two. I think that's clear. I don't really think there's any other competition. Like all those are great scenes. And they have their own merit in their own special way. But Walter is the star of this movie. I don't really like the dude is the dude. But Walter is like. <laughs> he's such a force. Yeah, I mean, you get two of the best movie characters, I'd say, of all time. Two of the 50 greatest movie characters of all time. The dude and Walter. Both in this movie. 
Um, Buscemi, like you said, just a great character actor, and he did, like, he just did just enough to make you, like you said, all the background acting he did, unbelievable, like unbelievable stuff. Johnny, you're out of your element. Just you have to go to an actor as a director and be like, okay, you're gonna get shit on this whole movie. I hope you're okay with that. And it's, I feel like it takes a special, special kind of actor to do that. And Buscemi is a special kind of actor, in my opinion. Um, I said he was the best actor in this movie until I forgot about uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour often. But you know, we've seen what Buscemi went on to do. You know, Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Sopranos. He was also in Monsters Inc. Ironically, <laughs> so you know he, he great actor. And you're absolutely right, Donnie. Donnie's gonna come up in another category, but um, the funniest scene we got the dude dunked in the toilet, and <laughs> he said, "Ask him where's the money, Lebowski." And he's like, "Uh, down there somewhere. Let me have another look." And they dunk him again. <laughs> Just totally unfazed by these men in his house. Uh, then also in that same scene, the guy picking up the bowling ball going, what is this? And <laughs> dude saying, obviously you're not a golfer. <laughs> Being a total smart ass. You mentioned it earlier. Funny saying, I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. And Brant just nervously laughing, like, oh, 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 oh. what a charmer. What a charmer. <laughs> Lebowski and Brant asking for the dude's help. Uh, Lebowski, the big Lebowski facing the fireplace. Just the music in that scene, hilarious. That guy's probably wondering what brought me to this point where I have to ask this guy for help. Her life is in your hands. Just the way. Bill Seymour Hoppin opens the doors. He's just funny. He's really and funny. The, the music is crescendoing too. It's like fucking orchestral music. Just yeah, like it <laughs> it's like you are our last hope. You are our last hope. <laughs> Life does not start start and stop at your convenience, you miserable piece of shit, Walter. Walter Dodani for absolutely no reason. <laughs> And the dude gets punched on his floor, leads to the fantasy, uh, flying around, chasing Maud on the carpet or the rug. And then just anytime Walter talks about Shabbos, he's like, <laughs> I can't do anything on Shabbos. I can't do anything on Shabbos. I don't I can't, roll. I can't answer the I'm, phone. I sure as shit don't fucking roll. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> the league office, the league office, you know, got ripped a new one during that. And then the dude's second dream. Uh, I don't know if you realize, Alex, but Saddam Hussein hands him his bowling shoes. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Saddam Hussein. And then, uh, and to me, the funniest scene spreading Donnie's ashes. Uh, that's the winner for me. I think the just to harp on it real quick, because I don't know how much we'll talk about him, but the dream sequence with the bowling, I think is such like a beautifully shot sequence. Oh, absolutely. Like 
both of them, both of the dream sequences. Yeah. Both of them are beautifully shot. I think the bowling one in particular is insanely shot. Um, I'd also like to add, I don't know if we're going to talk about the, uh, this later, but when he calls the, uh, the head of Malibu police, a fucking fascist, (laughs) I was dying laughing in that scene. He's like, Jackie Treehorn treats objects like women, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That line underrated line in the, um, whole movie but i think i'll take man obviously you're not a golfer yeah obviously you're not a golfer that whole sequence let me look in there one more time just (laughs) i think it sets the tone for the whole movie it really does it's like okay we're getting jokes flying at a mile a minute i think but I don't think you can go wrong with spreading Donnie's ashes either, especially with Walter's whole monologue about <laughs> being a Vietnam veteran. And his, like, uh, his ashes are in a Folgers, Folgers thing. I assume and then they, all, they all go in the dude's beard. Like all of them go in the dude's beard. <laughs> that scene was in the, uh, the Deacon's thing I was telling you about. Apparently the wind was blowing in that direction that day. That's the take they decided to use for that. That was <sighs> everything about that scene. Died That's... tragically young, just like so many men of his generation. <laughs> <laughs> um some more comedy here. The milk at the beginning that the dude he opens the carton and drinks out of it. I don't know if you noticed the price on it. It was 69 cents. So I just said those. Always. Always. Donnie just getting shit on left and right, no matter what he does. Anytime uh, Walter says, Donnie, you're out of your element. <laughs> Anytime Donnie tries to get involved in a conversation, Donnie, you're out of your element. Uh, the dude's mini bar was funny because it had the picture of Richard Nixon bowling and uh, the Julian Moore intro Carl Hungus and the, the name of the dude in the porno Carl Hungus <laughs> who gives a shit about the fucking marmot <laughs> Uh, talking about Larry, like, we'll break the kid. He's a fucking pushover. He'll be a pushover. And then it ends up being a total disaster from the jump. I hate the fucking Eagles, man. And then getting knocked out of the taxi for insulting the driver. Uh, the dude spinning out his drink when Maud says her stretches increases the chance of conception. And then my pick for funniest thing in the movie, this. This guy fucking walks. <laughs> I have a few. Uh, I have a few more to add. Um, obviously, Mister Mister Tree Horn treats objects like women. That's that's an obvious one. <laughs> uh, 
Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Asian American, please. But like that one, I feel like it's pretty famous. But what Walter's or what the dude says after that <laughs> is pretty hilarious too. Walter, we're not talking about a guy who built the railroads here. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, his name is Lebowski. That's your name. Donnie says his name is Lebowski. That's your name, dude. <laughs> Just like That's your name, dude. <laughs> when Brant is uh, giving him a tour of Mr. Lebowski's office, he goes, those are Mr. Lebowski's children, so to speak. And he goes, different mothers. And then he asks again, racially, he's pretty cool. <laughs> um, The dude or Duder or El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> what do you mean I brought it? When, he brought, when Walter brings the dog to the bowling, what do you mean brought it bowling? I didn't rent it shoes. I'm not buying it a fucking beard. It's not taking your fucking turn, dude. <laughs> and then. Oh, man, there's just so many more. But oh, last one, last one, because this is my my favorite line in the whole movie, I think. She's my fucking lady friend, man. I just helped her conceive. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite line. <laughs> That's my favorite line in the whole movie, I think. I, no one ever talks about it, but it's why would you tell someone that? Why on earth would you just tell someone you have, have conceived? Something but, conceived, man. She's my lady friend, man. I was just helping her conceive. Fuck. There's there's I'm I'm going with that one. I'm going off the board. She's my lady friend, man. I'm, I helped her conceive. You're going with this guy fucking walks. I'm going with this guy fucking walks because it was so out of pocket. And why Walter had no reason to be involved in this whole fiasco. <laughs> it's his fault that all of this happened. It's just it's and then this guy fucking walked. And then the big Lebowski scream when he gets pulled out of the chair. <laughs> so that's like that's what I'm going with. It's like, Walter, help him get back in his chair, man. <laughs> He's just so pathetic, like, there on the floor when he hits the dog away. <laughs> just like, please. Maybe he can't walk, dude. <laughs> this dude ain't a fucking spinal. I've never been more sure of anything in my fucking life. <laughs> oh, man. Alex, <laughs> the block in the back award. For I guess the biggest self-inflicted wound. We have the drop-off fiasco with the suitcase. You mentioned earlier Walter throwing his dirty undies out the window. And then the dude getting kicked out of the taxi for shitting on the Eagles. By the way, the Eagles rock. Just off top of the Eagles rock. So that's the only two nominees I had. I'm going with the drop-off because it had the biggest domino effect for the rest of the movie. For sure. But you know, I'll tell you what, I think this was the like these last two viewings were the first time I actually realized what was going on in that about like, you know, because I paid attention to the movie, but and I watched the movie a ton of times, but it finally actually hit me. I was like, wait, where's this money go? And so I didn't realize that Mr. Lebowski was actually embezzling it. This was the first time I'd actually realized that. 
So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them a 1000% block in the back. Can we just talk about how remarkable it is that Walter does not have a single block in the back somehow? Like somehow he walked away from the game penalty list. Yet the way he played the game, you'd think he was Vontez perfect or something like that. It's like <laughs> he should have all the block in the backs. He should he should have been thrown out for unsportsmanlike conduct for Walter James hits. Harrison. James Harrison, Vontez Perfect, um, Pac-Man Jones, whoever you want to use. You know? <laughs> I mean, the point's still the same. Dirty player, but somehow he got to stay in the game. Hey, don't hate the player, hate the game. Um, I think I'll I'll give it to the drop-off, too. Even though, I'll, I'll grant, it wasn't technically all their fault because it was going to get screwed up no matter what. Walter Draymond Green? Maybe. That might be a more apt comparison because he could just get away with whatever he wants. He might be suspended for a game here and there, but you know, yeah, that was very effective. That was the bowling league looking into the charges after, um, after he pulled the piece on Smokey. That's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, next up, next up here, the Dylan Hughes slipping the DMS award. For a cast member, a crew member, or a character whose DMs you like to slip into and ask a question for them. I'm going with Jeff Bridges because I want to know if during filming he thought this movie was going to be thought about 25 years later, like tonight, uh, like we are tonight. If, the, if he thought this was going to be his signature role or character. When we, you know, look back at his career, what was it like? Is he surprised that this is what he's probably going to be remembered most for? That's just all. I, that's what I want to know. Because Jeff Bridges, you know, he went on to win an Oscar. I believe he's been nominated multiple times. You know, one of the finest actors in the past 50 years, Jeff Bridges. And, you know, I just wonder did he have any idea that this was going to be the signature moment. And how does he feel about that? Well, you know, I think he'd say Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. I think that's what he'd say. Um, He's had a long career, sure, but I also think like if you look at what he is like not acting wise and what his public persona is presented as he's kind of turned into the dude. He really like, has. He's kind of <laughs> not, and you know, it's probably a good thing that John Goodman hasn't turned into Walter or that Steve Buscemi hasn't turned into Donnie, but you know, like he's definitely become, you know, just the personification of his character. And Definitely. I think I don't think he would mind personally, you know, I and I mean, we saw, you know, to kind of loop this in. We saw that he brought the sweater from the Big Lebowski to John Goodman's presentation on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know, and presented it to John Goodman, which I think is what kind of, you know. I think it was a really cool moment, you know, it was like, oh, hey, this this movie like really was instrumental for both of you. And I don't think either of you 
like I know Goodman was successful with Roseanne and I know Bridges had was successful beforehand too, but I think it kind of elevated them in a sense and put them over, you know. And now they're like, they're gonna live on forever. This is the kind of movie that lives forever. You know, this is the movie that parents are gonna be showing their kids, and it's gonna be shown in like frat houses <laughs> forever. And this movie will never I don't think this movie will ever die. So I don't think it's the no. worst thing for Jeff Bridges. It it never will die. I mean, the only things that age it like throughout the movie are, you know, the telephones they use, but and the cars. But like that's it. Like uh, other than you know, especially if you're watching this movie like on Blu-ray in HD, like not a lot of things age in this movie. Like other than the telephones and the cars, like that's it. Jeff Bridges, by the way. Uh, seven Oscar nominations. He won Best Actor one time for the movie Crazy Heart in 2010. He's actually nominated for Best Actor back-to-back years. Crazy Heart in 2010, True Grit in 2011. He was awesome in True Grit. And Rooster Cogburn. Another Cohen movie. True Grit. Um, And has, I believe we talked about that on this pod uh, for a 10-year anniversary in 2020. Um, that's a good one. Who who whose DMs are you slipping into? I'm gonna slip into two people's DMs. Knox Harrington, who the fuck are you? Um, that's that's my first one. Just who the fuck are you? Um, and no, what Mod said isn't a good enough answer. And then you went to Jeff Bridges. I'd go to John Goodman. I just ask, like, what do you feel like this movie has done for you? You know, I like I haven't like I probably should have done more research before I went with this. But, you know, like, do you feel like people have come up to you and like saying, quote, market zero or whatever? Am I the only one here around here who gives a shit about the rules? I can get you a toe, <laughs> you know, all that shit. <laughs> he has so many great lines. This is movie. what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> right. It's just. You know, like we talked about sometimes quantity over quality. This movie has quantity and quality. And John Good, like with John Goodman's lines, especially. And I'd want to know too what he felt like, you know, reading that script and auditioning for Walter and just being like, this is, you know, I wonder if he thought it was perfect for him, whatever. That's, that's kind of what I'd want to know from John Goodman. That's fair. I mean, like I said, quite a run for John Goodman. During this stretch, you got this movie in 1998. You got Monster Thing 2001. All the while, he's on Roseanne. You know, really almost on top of the world. Um, best of both worlds with the TV and the movies. John Goodman. Wait, and these early 2000s. Um, big winner of the movie. I got a couple nominations here. The soundtrack. You know, you got Bob Dylan. You got the Eagles. Uh... Really, really great soundtrack. I, I liked it a lot. Bob Dylan's Demand in Me at the beginning and the end, I think. Um, really enjoyed that. Bonnie Lebowski, just getting away clean. And then I got Sam Elliott. The movie begins and ends with him. He's the bookends of the movie. So I'm actually going to go with I'm going to go with Sam Elliott because he didn't have to do a lot of work and 
people are going to remember him just because that's how the movie ends with him. I get Sometimes, knowing the dudes out there taking it easy for all. Sometimes you eat the bar. Well, sometimes bar, the bar eats you. I, I, Sam Elliott's a great choice. But I mean, sometimes there's a man. <laughs> I, I have to go with the dude. The, uh, the soundtrack, though, I have to say, that's a great point by you. You know what? I am switching my pick. I'm going with the soundtrack. Just absolutely banger after banger. I don't know half these songs, but it just felt like it fit every scene spectacularly well. It's kind of like almost Scorsese esque. Like how he fits his soundtracks to the mood. And I think the Coens did that in this movie. No complaints. I'm going to soundtrack. It's a great pick. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. They, they're much like Scorsese in that way with the soundtrack. Um, big loser. I got two candidates. I got Donnie and I have the big Lebowski. I'm going with Donnie. Because he's the only one that fucking died. So I got, <laughs> and he just he got shit on the whole movie, and then he died. So I don't I don't think he gets much worse than that. I'm gonna go with, was it Carl Hungus who got his ear bitten off? I think so. I think it was one of them. Whichever one of them got their ear bitten off, I'm gonna go with that one. That's the big loser. The nihilists. We'll just go with the nihilists as a collective. They didn't get their money. What? Their girlfriend lost their toe. You're fucking nihilist. You don't believe anything's fair. You know, Walter threw a bowling ball at one of them, bit one of their ears off. Yeah, it's got to be the nihilists. You fucking nihilists. <laughs> um, Take that, you anti-Semite. Uh, <laughs> I just want to talk about the plot of this movie for a second, because... Yes, there's a lot going on, but it's really quite a simple plot. Like, a man is mistaken for somebody else. They steal his rug, and then the rest of the movie is just him, like, trying to get it back. Like, that's that's really it. A guy who had really nothing else going on in his life besides bowling and smoking weed. Pretty simple plot. You see why the Coens were able to pump it out really quick. For sure. It the first, I remember I showed this to one of my friends one time. And my friend's like, I don't know what that movie was about. And I tried to think about it. I was like, I don't know what it's about either. But do you remember is it gonna tie in another Coen's movie? But at the end of Burn After Reading, when Carl from Succession and J.K. Simmons I don't remember their characters' names, but they're kind of just like, so what was that all about? I don't know. Like, you know, that whole scene at the end of that movie. That's kind of this whole movie. (laughs) It's like, what was that all about? I don't know. You know, just obviously you said very linear, you know, dude gets his rug stolen, tries to get his rug back, goes on some misadventures along the way. And um, if you want to just make it to this movie, Sam Elliott says, that was a good story, don't you think? And it was a good story. If you want your stories to mean something, you know, have some kind of like meaning, you know, like, oh, 
like if your favorite movie is like Shawshank Redemption or something, you know, and you want it to have like that level of meaning, it's not that kind of movie. No, but it's there's still stuff going on, and there's like a plot. There's a resolution. The resolution, I think, I think it gets lost in the mountain of jokes. Is that we find out that Lebowski's been embezzling the money. And the dude kind of stumbles up into all these conclusions. I think that's kind of the part that gets lost too. Like he kind of half-asses his way into finding out these conclusions. But because he doesn't have original thoughts, it's like, oh wow. How did he how is he the one who actually found out that? You know. Like he's the one who proposed the idea of Bunny kidnapping herself. He's the one who proposed the idea of He's the one who found out that Mr. Lebowski was embezzling or like took the million dollars for himself and used the whole kidnapping situation as cover for taking the million dollars for himself. It's just like it feels like that gets kind of buried under the rest of what this movie is, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. Um the only thing other the only other thing I would add to this would be Just a brilliant written screen, brilliantly written screenplay. You know, typical Cohen fashion. You know, you look, you think it's about their best movies. They're either brilliantly written or brilliantly acted. And you got Fargo, you got No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, like you said. Uh, brilliant acting in that movie, in my opinion. You got this one. You got Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Just. In some cases, powerhouse acting performances. And I think you can call Bridges, maybe not so much Bridges, great acting performance by Bridges, but powerhouse, Goodman especially. Um, and just another big winner of this movie, The White Russian. The White Russian. <laughs> the White Russian, I feel like, became a thing after this movie. And you know, I've actually never had a White Russian. Because I know they're really fattening. But I'm down to try one. I'm down to try one. What is it? Kahlua and milk, Alex? Yes, I believe so. I thought Kahlua it was rum. And milk. Is it, or is it Kahlua rum? Uh, I, think, uh, I think it is. Where is it? Kahlua. Liqueur. Kahlua is a brand of coffee liqueur. Drink contains rum, sugar, and Arabica coffee. So that's where we go. Cool. Uh, so, fun facts about the movie. The F bomb is used 292 times. 292 times. And the dude says, man, 147 times for an average of one and a half times per minute throughout the movie, Alex. Great efficiency. Phenomenal efficiency. It's like Tyrese Halliburton efficiency. Of course. Like Aaron Rodgers efficiency? Um, you got out of the game fast. Listen, let me just say real quick about Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and the Jets. Let me say real quick. I know I maligned the Jets basically from the minute that trade happened, even before that trade happened, but I am sad. I am sad, even though I was absolutely right in shitting on the offensive line and the Jets doing nothing about it. I am sad 
Because now, Alex, we have to watch Zach Wilson for the foreseeable future, unless the Jets decide to make a move at quarterback, which I think they should do. But it's just sad. It's just sad. You know, I don't, I don't want to see... I'm not a fan of Aaron Rodgers, but I don't want to see his career end like that. Um, I don't... I feel bad for Jets fans. Like, the Jets, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, but they were going to be fun to watch, at least. Like, I was going to enjoy watching their games, and now I'm not going to enjoy watching their games because Zach Wilson fucking sucks. But moving on, in an early draft of the script, Alex, the dude, the dude's income was revealed. He was an heir to the Rubik's Cube fortune. But this was scrapped in pre-production, so I thought that was interesting. And then finally, probably a good idea. Jeff Bridges, probably a good idea, yeah. I don't think the dude could have solved the Rubik's Cube for the record. Uh, and then Jeff Bridges would rub his eyes very hard in between takes to appear like he was high. I like little stuff like that. I like little little tidbits like that. But uh, Alex, anything to add before we plug? I could have swore I saw something like that one time that they shot the scene or the the Larry scene that that was an actual residential neighborhood and that I think they were disturbing the neighbors, but don't quote me on that. I think that might actually be a I believe thing. It. I believe that. But um, I think that's the only bit of trivia I have. The Jeff Bridges rubbing his eyes thing is just he does such a perfect job playing a stoner. Like and also, you know, him falling asleep on the rug, him doing the little accents and things, just like little things you would do when you're high. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I have no notes. He acted it because you're right. Goodman's more of like, okay, here I am. I'm running through here with a baseball bat. I'm trying to kill shit. You know, that's his acting performance. Bridges is like, okay. We need to cut the lawn, but they all need to be perfectly straight. You know, like his is more subtle like that. And I think his performance lies in the beauty of the subtleties of his performance. And I think that's what's awesome about this movie is you have all those awesome, like all these acting performances are amazing. The writing's amazing. It's just perfect in so many regards. Like, yeah, Goodman's like the force. He's the force of nature, like just the uncontrollable force of nature. And, and Goodman is like trying to tame him, but also, like you said earlier in the pod, like trying to tolerate him, like running out, running out of patience with him. Uh, I imagine it was a lot like watching Nikola Vucevic for you uh, this past season, just trying to tolerate watching him. Well, you know, that's like that's every year for me watching Vucevic. You know, <laughs> I have to imagine it's like you watching, uh, like watching Jeremy Lamb or something. Hey, listen, I think I am the reason Jeremy Lamb got traded because he took a picture with me at the district tap, and then like a week later, he got traded. So I like your bad credit for getting Jeremy Lamb traded. Oh, uh, maybe I am, but you know, whatever. Oh, wait, um, one, one last thing, one last thing, yeah. I think this 
this movie along with Die Hard has one of the most famous uh what is it censored versions of a line um, oh what is it this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass has been changed to this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps <laughs> that is funny I'm that pretty sure that's what they funny. changed the line to let me double check real quick but I had to we couldn't go through this movie without me mentioning that it's it's what happens Alps. I'm searching, I'm searching what happens as well. find a stranger in the Alps yeah. yes this is this is the edited for TV version of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> so what, you happens- what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? <laughs> I could we couldn't that leave this pod without without getting that little tidbit in. That's fun. That's that's, <laughs> that's all I have. That's hilarious. That's a good way to end it. Uh, Alex, what do you have coming down the pipe? On the power hour. So it's coming back. Um, the question is when, not if JD and I need to work some things out schedule wise, but before the start of the season, I imagine we'll have some stuff up. Um, we'll have more conf- concrete information out later. Um, Zach, what do we got coming out on back shoulder fade this week? Back shoulder fade this week. We're talking some college football. You know, Alex, I'm making an effort. Uh, I've all basically since college, I've been a college football casual. So I'm trying to watch more this year. Uh, I've been pretty in line with what's been happening the first couple of weeks. Um, I had some money on the Colorado Nebraska game. Ended up hitting on the spread, missed on the Travis Hunter touchdowns. I didn't even score two. He didn't score any. But that's a spread. Uh, so we got college football coming up. We got NFL Week 2 preview. And then I think along down the line, we're going to have some NBA futures. Alex, I'm trying to schedule our fantasy hoops draft at the end of this month before I go on vacation in October. NBA season, Alex, not too far. I know. Not too far off. It's creeping here's, up here's, a, here's an NBA future for you. Here's an NBA future for you. Chet Holmgren rookie of the year. That's that's not a bad one. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I like both of those. I was gonna say Luca, but Luca's probably the favorite at this point. Um hell. I know Jokic is still the favorite because I I looked it up the other day. Darren Fox was also enticing. Darren Fox was enticing. He was like 26 to 1, but It'd be hard for a guy from Sacramento, but so yeah, I, SGA. You know, spoiler alert: that's going to be one of mine for NBA futures. SGA MVP. Crazy odds on that. Yeah, you're right. You're right with the with the Chet one. I like that. Going to be talking some college basketball eventually as well. I'm going to try and make an effort to watch that some more. At least the big games, the big national games. It's weird, you know. I'm in the Caleb Lindsay. I don't really have a horse in the race with. You know, Caleb doesn't have a horse in the race in any sport except uh, baseball, where his team sucks ass. Um, but anyway, that's what we got coming on Back Shoulder Fade. Uh, I listened to our pod yesterday from NFL Week One. 
And I don't think a single one of my bets hit. Uh, the Steelers got <laughs> absolutely shit house by the 49ers. I don't even think they scored a touchdown in the game. Uh, so my SGP on that game definitely didn't hit. The closest one I had to happening was Tampa Bay wins the first half, but Minnesota wins the game. I think I got that flipped. So if you had flipped it the other way, I would have been correct. But uh, someone well, kills it. Some it's, a good thing we need to, it's a good thing we need to back shoulder fade then. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to want to fade the hell out of that. But um, we're going to have another running hook SGP for you. Uh, R1 on week. Did that hit? Week it one? It did hit. It did hit. Yeah. Amon Ra. Anytime touchdown. That was a first touchdown. I think it was first touchdown, but it still hit. And then Jim- it still hit. Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs rushing yards and then uh, Lions spread. All three of them hit. So all three of them hit. Sure you- See if we can do it again this week with Eagles Vikings. We think we've already got our bets in, so make sure you check that out. And then make sure you check out Linsanity too. Um, Linsanity finally makes its triumphant return for week one. Crazy week one. Absolutely bonkers week one. Josh Allen. Josh Allen, my God, pal. That was some of the worst. <laughs> he, was... he he looked like hell. He looked like hell. Lamar Jackson looked like hell. Joe Burrow looked like hell. Uh, but you know who didn't look like hell, Bryce? Uh, Alex. <laughs> Anthony Richardson. Who's that? That's right. He did not. We have a quarterback. Anthony Richardson got me 21 fantasy points in two different leagues, which is a lot well, of quarterback. Know. I had Jalen Hurts, but you know, hopefully he bounces back next week, or hopefully he bounces back Thursday against the um, Vikings, which I am betting on. Which teaser might be one of my uh, might be one of my selections for the parlay. I'll have to listen to find out. I'm hyped, Alex. I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to watch our team on Sunday. I can't either. Can't hopefully, wait. hopefully he's he's okay after that hit. He is. He said he was fine. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, uh, yeah, can't wait for that. Stay tuned on the Running Hook podcast feed, folks. And as always, thank you very much for listening.